Hey everybody, welcome back to the Introversion Podcast. I was away for about a week down in Maryland, spending time with my mom and dad. And uh, just a just a quick update for those who who have been sort of waiting to hear something about this. It's good news so far. Um, the surgery went well, and uh, there didn't seem to be any complications from it. And it's seeming pretty good. It doesn't seem like the cancer has spread. Of course, this is a, an ongoing thing, and um, we'll see how things unfold. But for the moment, the news is pretty good news. So that's a relief. So yeah, that is the uh, the health update there on my mom. But of course, there's still a lot to talk about surrounding that and uh, kind of similar to how I did in the last episode. Like, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about my mom's health and my mom's business, but I just wanted to to mention that as obviously something close to my heart right now that's affecting how I operate, how I function, how I think, my decision-making process, everything. And also time, time management, right? And uh, priorities. Obviously, I've ended up neglecting this podcast and my introversion site for the past week while I was away, um, just spending good quality time with my mom. And um, it's weird. I, I got back to Philly a couple of days ago and no regrets, no regrets. Like I, I'm really glad I got to spend the time with my mom as much as I did and uh, good quality time. And, you know, it's kind of like this is what life's all about, right? And yet... I returned to Philly and I returned back to my life here, my very isolated, solitary, you know, quarantine life, right, that uh, perhaps many of you are experiencing as well. Um, I do kind of wonder, I mean, throughout the country, wherever you all are listening from, like, just, it's so weird with the pandemic, like, just, I question how much... Is it affecting people's lives like all across the country, all across the world? I mean, I haven't really, I've I've been so caught up with my own, with everything with my mom and just, you know, personally, like I've, I've kind of checked out a little bit as to what's going on out there in the world. I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm aware of the first presidential debate (laughs) and, um, the shit show that that was. And, um, of course the Trump and Melania and my beloved Kaylee, that Chaz was to be, quote, the summer of love. In fact, it was not. All testing positive for COVID. And we've got the VP debate tonight. And I've been seeing news about more and more armed militias. The election is less than a month away now, which, let's be honest, like, it's almost like this is like the climax of this crazy year is what's going to happen with the election results. And I don't know how optimistic or pessimistic or whatever you all think about it. But uh, from my close friends who I've been talking with about this, like I, I don't think this thing is going to be over Tuesday night. Uh, I mean, Hillary Clinton has already told Joe Biden publicly that, you know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. They should not accept the result which is bizarre to me because that was the whole thing in the 2016 election. They were attacking Trump for saying that he wouldn't respect the result and how unpatriotic and undemocratic that is to not accept the result. And now here's Hillary Clinton and Biden saying that they're not going to accept the result. So whatever uh, your stake in this or your views might be, um, we'll see what happens. But I... I don't think this is going to end neatly and tidily on Tuesday night. So I am afraid this is going to drag on. And I think this is going to drag out. We'll see if it all, you know, the recounts and, you know, ballots thrown out. And I don't know. We'll see what happens in uh, the month of November and December. And if it comes to the Supreme Court and all that. But uh, anyway... My point is, is that there's a lot going on right now. And the fact that I was away for a week and I'm back here in Philly and I'm just kind of catching up on my own things. And meanwhile, things are happening at an alarming rate. I mean, just in this past week, you know, everything with Trump getting COVID and I see conspiracy theories 
from the left and the right, everybody has their own ideas. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it's been really interesting to see that because I feel like some of the conspiracy theories, if you want to call them that, have been coming a little bit more from the right uh, for the past several months, you know, in terms of not wanting to get the vaccine or not trusting Bill Gates' vaccine or that the pandemic was planned or that the virus was created in a lab or that the, the numbers are blown up and really people aren't dying from it at an alarming rate. Plus all these things with uh, the pedophilia in Hollywood and uh, sex trafficking and all these arrests and crazy things swirling around, circulating, and um, crazy ideas and conspiracy theories, whatever. And um, But a lot of this, you know, a lot of these things that I've just mentioned are have been kind of coming from the quote-unquote right. And I almost feel like it's been a lot of my friends and people on the left who are shooting down all these conspiracy theories and mocking people with conspiracies. And yet all of a sudden Trump gets COVID and I'm seeing nothing but conspiracy theories from the left, either conspiracy theories or kind of what I would expect, which is just like hatred toward Trump, wishing him death, wishing him ill will, you know, um, which is kind of just atrocious. I mean, I, I guess the thing with Trump, Trump derangement syndrome is that people look at him as he is Hitler. So it's kind of like, yeah, if Hitler got COVID, you'd be happy about it, right? So I guess in that sense, that's how their minds are thinking about it. Um, whereas in my sense, like Trump is not Hitler. He's a person, he's a human being. You know, he's an American citizen. He's Republican or whatever, but he's not the great Satan. He's not Hitler. So... I don't know. I just don't wish death to people. I mean, even like Hillary Clinton and, you know, like whoever you don't like, Joe Biden. I mean, whoever you don't like, you can disagree with their politics, whatever, that's fine. But like wishing people dead and I don't know. So a lot of this has kind of come out. But honestly, like I've kind of, I've been aware that all of that is happening. But at the same time, I really not kept my finger on the pulse of all of that. Like I've just been kind of out of the corner of my eye. I've been kind of keeping an eye on all these things. But one thing I wanted to say is that this has been a little bit of a gradual checkout for me in terms of news and social media and all of this shit happening out there in the world. Ever since I first got the news about my mom's cancer, I guess about a month or month or two ago, it's really amazing how it hits you and you start to think about like all the things you thought you cared about and not that I care about politics and all this shit happening out there, but it's, you think that it is affecting you personally and that your life is going to be so deeply affected by it, which is why I get involved in politics or why any of us get involved in politics, right? Whether it's tweeting or, social media or Facebook arguments, you know, or even podcasting about it, whatever. This is, this, this is why we get involved. This is why we express ourselves, why we voice our opinions. And for a number of reasons, it's, I think it's healthy to, to articulate and to voice your thoughts and, and refine those things and get feedback and criticism from other people and then take their ideas in and hopefully kind of let it meld and you get a more refined, um, point of view overall right um but also you bond with other people who think similarly right uh, regardless of whether they agree on every issue you know when you have people on your side about a particular issue or whatever like it feels good you know and plus there's the fact of okay how much is the election going to affect our lives personally and i think everybody is under the impression right now that if trump gets elected it's the end. It's the end as we know it, right? Which I heard this back in 2016. Uh, it's kind of the same rhetoric, but now it's all ratcheted up. So um, at the same time, I hear from people on the right that like, oh, if Biden gets elected, this is the end. It's the end of our freedoms. It's the end of society. You know, the left will take over and they're going to pack the courts and, you know, they're going to pack the Supreme Court and all this stuff. So it's so cliche, right? It's like every election rolls around from the year 2000 and 2004, 2008, 2012. Every election, they 
they tout it as this is the most important election of our lifetime. And here we are again. And I feel like in the past I've heard that kind of rhetoric and I kind of just brushed it off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like how, I don't want to say Christian wackos, but the ones who are like, Jesus is going to come back in August of 2017. And, or, you know, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. Right. But just like that, you know, I just kind of felt like, yeah. And I, I did feel like that. I mean, I was curious to see what would happen in the country if Trump got elected in 2016. I personally did not vote for him, but I also didn't vote for uh, Hillary either. I just, I couldn't bring myself to vote for either one of them. That's how much I disliked both of them at the time. But you know, I'm not going to go off the, on the tangent of voting third party and all that stuff and how I feel like there should be more political parties in the country and all that stuff. But I'm not, I'm just going to say I was curious what would happen if Trump got elected. What I think a lot of people were curious, but I really didn't think it would be the end of the country or the end of the world. And I think that's partially because when you think about how our government is structured, it's not really all about one person. I think people blow up this idea of the president as being sort of this king or this ultimate leader of everybody's lives and everything happening. And it's like, I think people have an inaccurate view of how our political system works because basically, no, that's not the case. I mean, Trump is accused all the time of being a Hitler, of being a dictator, of being, you know, authoritarian, all of this. And when I look at what has been happening, even with the pandemic, in this country, it doesn't play out that way. You know, he's basically consulted with Fauci and all the team of experts and whatever, and what they've advised, he's kind of gone with that. But really, ultimately, this comes down to states' rights and how, you know, each governor has been able to call the shots in their own states. And you look at what's happening in Portland and Oregon and in Seattle. And uh, look at what happened in Kenosha and, and just, you know, in, in L.A. and California. And just it's been kind of up to each state. And from what I've been hearing, there's been a mass exodus of people leaving New York City and a bunch of people leaving L.A. and California because they're fed up. They've had it. But that is the option that as American citizens we have. It's like if you don't like how things are going in your state, in theory, you can get up and move and go to a different state. I mean, obviously, it's not that easy to do so, but you can. But the point is, Trump has not been the authoritarian who has been calling the shots on every little decision made on a local level throughout the country. And if you let that sink in for a little bit, I mean, I think back to this debate with Biden and he and the kind of rhetoric Biden's doing, like, Trump didn't protect us. He didn't, he didn't do enough. He didn't, you know, or he, he did all the wrong things or disregarding the fact that Trump did do some right things, things that Biden was chastised and other liberals were chastising him for, you know, like the whole China flight ban and all that stuff. So while he was trying to do the right thing to protect American citizens, he was being lambasted and attacked as being xenophobic of being racist toward China or something. So, you know, it, it's just crazy because I, when I think back now, I mean, we all know how this would have played out. If he didn't do that flight ban and he let people come in from China, I guarantee you Nancy Pelosi, Biden, all of the liberal Democrats would be totally attacking Trump, saying, you should have done more. You should have blocked the flights from China. You should have you should have protected Americans and you didn't. You know, it's like you can't win. You can't win either way. You know, I feel sorry for Trump in that way. I mean, he's got thick skin. He can handle whatever. But I, I know myself personally, my skin is not that thick. I would be incredibly frustrated if all the time you wake up and you go out and you say one word and people are attacking you, telling you you're racist, uh, telling you, you know, you're not doing enough to save American citizens. I mean, honestly, like there's the guy can do no right in certain people's eyes and, and like in I guess half the country's eyes. He is the great Satan. He is Hitler. He can do no right. So, you know, to whoever of my liberal Democrat friends who are listening to this, like I, I just, I don't know if this has ever occurred to you, but for somebody like me who I don't identify as being conservative or liberal anymore, because it's just each of those labels has way too much baggage. 
I just consider myself a reasonable person who once again is facing an election where I'm going to have to vote on the lesser of two evils. And that is entirely subjective, you know, for me right now. Well, I'm not going to get into which way I'm leaning, but <laughs> if you've been listening to the podcast, you might be able to guess. But um, yeah, I was going to say like to my liberal Democrat friends, like, I hope you realize this, the effect that it's essentially the boy crying wolf. When I, when I think of the media, when I think of the attacks on Trump, you're doing yourselves a disservice, you know? I mean, th- this whole stupid thing with Trump and the Secret Service protecting him and how he's infected and he's in the same vehicle with them. I'm like, you're making it sound like Trump is murdering the Secret Service because he has COVID and he's traveling in the same vehicle. And like, eh. these kind of attacks, I'm like, again, I've just been in the corner of my eye. I've not been pouring myself into this because it just seems so not worthwhile because this is just like this consistent noise that's been chattering for three and a half years, coming up on four years now. And after so long, you know, whether it was the whole Russia thing or the impeachment thing or whatever it is they try to throw at Trump, I'm like, when I, again, like I haven't been paying super attention in the past because I've been busy living my life. But then every, what I've noticed is when I do start to pay attention, I'm like, you guys are full of shit. You know, if you have a legit argument, you know, if you have something to take down Trump with, then fine, do that. You know, let the truth be on your side. And, but what I, what I've seen is that it's just a lot of flimsy arguments. And, you know, if you go back to my lost and emotions episode, like way back in the beginning, I think episode two or three or something like that. I talked about how the problem in our society right now, or one of the many problems, is that people are acting and voicing completely out of emotion. And when I think of the whole thing, with everything with Trump and Trump derangement syndrome, people are blinded by their hate, by their rage, by their anger at this guy. I mean, they just hate Trump so much that they can't take a step back and, and actually listen to themselves or look in the mirror and think about like, wow, what have I become? Or what am I even, is it even true what I'm saying? Or I'm just saying things because I saw it on CNN and they hate Trump and I hate Trump. So therefore, you know, everything is just, you know, supporting this narrative and Jesus, man, I can't believe, uh, I've talked this much about it in this episode because I really did not even expect to talk about Trump that much, but I'm going to shift gears on that note because I might do another couple episodes as we get closer to the election where I dive deeper into the whole political thing. And who knows, maybe I can influence people on the fence to vote one way or another. Um, we'll see. But uh, right now, this is not this is not meant to be the political episode. But what I want to say right now, which is probably what I should have said in the very opening statement of this, the name of this episode is Too Much. And... What I mean by that is this episode is going to be kind of all over the place. And I'm sorry for that. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm not sorry. And there's nothing to apologize for about this episode because this is where I'm at in life right now. So my, I'm totally disheveled with my thoughts, with my emotions. I'm all over the place with everything happening with my mom and my own life and coming back to Philly and trying to get back into this rhythm that I was in before somewhat and struggling. And, uh, you know, even me sitting down to record this episode is a, is a means of me trying to get back into the rhythm that I had before. And, um, there's just so much right now happening on every level, you know, politically and just social media, and uh family and health and and all these things and uh i I, it's almost like (laughs) i jotted down so many notes for this episode and it's almost like each one of these little points i want to talk about could be its own episode so again my apologies if this episode's all over the place but there's so many points that i want to hit in this episode that have just been things floating around in my mind things I've been thinking about, things I've been having conversations with friends and family about. 
And uh, right now it's just all thrown together in this episode. So think of this episode as a bridge between, you know, my last episode and sort of an intro of probably a few episodes in more detail than I'll be getting into in the coming weeks. But yeah, so the thing is, is I was gone for a week and now I'm trying to get back into the rhythm and it's been frustrating for me because I just feel so behind. I know I, I left for a week, so I should be a week behind and I kind of am a week behind, but there's something that's really, there's something about it that's stressing me out a bit more than normal. I don't know, like maybe because the election's around the corner or maybe because the end of the year is around the corner and there's so many things that I still want to get accomplished this year. And uh, I think I may have mentioned this before in a prior episode recently, but this is a, a big point I want to make. Um, so whether I am repeating it or not, I, I still think it's worth saying right now. And I will probably come back to this point in the next few weeks, but when I think about 2020, right, and what a shitty year this has been for most everybody on so many levels, my whole thing is is I've kind of shifted uh, in my views and, and my outlook on my life and, and the relationship between what's happening in my life and my thoughts versus what's happening in society and out there. My whole thing is on December 31st, 2020, I actually want to be able to look back on this year and look at everything that I accomplished. I just want to look at a list of like, wow, I did this. Uh, I accomplished that. I I relaunched introversion.com for the first time in 10 years on hiatus. Like that was a big deal. I spent a month or two working on the site back in December and January so I got that done. That was huge. And then I started the introversion podcast, which you're listening to now. That was a big thing. And there's been steady growth every month and I'm really enjoying it. And I invested in hardware and I'm getting good guests on and meeting new people. And it's great. It's great. So that is, but there's so many more things that I want to get done in the next less than three months now, you know, basically the rest of October and November and December. So that is, that's a big thing for me right now. And I think because of the time crunch, I'm feeling more stress, you know, than I normally would by skipping town for a week. But it's also causing me to reflect on something that's been plaguing me for a while. And I've had friends say it to me. I've had my mom say it to me. I've had other people say it to me like, you try to do too much. You have too many ideas you have too many projects, you're juggling too many balls, like you're too ambitious. And the problem is with that is, you know, having a lot of ambition to get a lot done is not a bad thing. That's a good thing, but that's a good thing. Not a bad thing, by the way, I have a bad track record of spreading myself too thin. Granted, I've gotten better about this. And I think one of the ways I've gotten better is that I've learned to say no more. No, no, no. <laughs> and, you know, back in my 20s, I was kind of horrendous at that. And I think part of it had to do with spending so much time in the church. I would say yes. So like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll go to this birthday party and go to that friend's birthday party and I'll go to this church event and I'll, yeah, I'll host this Bible study and I'll lead the Bible study and, you know, I'll volunteer for this and that. And I do regret a lot of that. And it, it was kind of like I gave away too much of myself and really didn't get much in return. And that was just perpetuated by, well, of course, that's the way it's supposed to be. If I got something in return, that would be selfish. That would be from Satan or some bullshit like that. So yeah, I got onto a bad pattern of that for too long. And now I've gotten better with that socially. It's kind of like, look, you know, if I'm not interested in something, you know, like I'll, I'll give, this is kind of a stupid example, but I had this one friend, he reached out to me a few weeks ago and he said, Hey, me and some buddies, we're, we're doing this fitness challenge thing. Right. So we're going to see, I don't know what the time period was, but in the next month or two months or something like who can perform the best in terms of weight loss and muscle gain and whatever. So, you know, it was like a pool, a contest. So every, all him and some guy friends of his and are getting into it. 
and he invited me in and he's like, yeah, don't, don't, don't wuss out, you know, get in on this. Come on, man, be a man. And, you know, maybe if I was 28, I would have been lured into it and paid my $20 admission fee into the pool. But realistically, I kind of knew everything I'm going through in life right now with my mom and the fact that I might have had to go out of town. And I know, like, this is not the time for me to be in the absolute best shape. And I, I can't really devote myself to that task. So basically, my point is, I know I would lose in that competition. So why would I blow 20 bucks to enter it, right? So this is just a a small stupid example of how I was just kind of like, nah, nah, it sounds cool, man, but uh, nah, I'm not going to do that. And, um, you know, so that kind of thing, I've gotten better at saying no to people because people often ask me to, well, not in this example, but in other examples, people ask me to help them out with this or that. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of volunteering design work and logos for friends and family in, in the past. And a lot of times that just doesn't really pan out. I mean, you know, you can always give of yourself, but in theory, it would all kind of add up or even out if you ask things back from them in return. But I never really do that so much. And I mentioned in a previous podcast, like, I probably need to get better at that of asking for help or asking friends for things or, you know, support or whatever. So, uh, but it's, it's weird. You know, I, it doesn't come to me naturally. I don't really feel comfortable with that, but it's kind of like, I think if I just get more comfortable saying no to people and I don't, it's kind of like it cuts off the flow either way. Like they're not really going to be asking anything more of me. And I'm already, I already have not been asking anything of them. So it kind of end up just being like, all right, Now I can just focus on everything I want to work on myself and just do my thing, right? So, um, yeah. (laughs) There's a point there I was thinking about earlier that I wanted to make about friends. God, there's just, there's too many things for me to mention in this episode because, you know, I mentioned my friend. I don't think I named him in the last episode, but... He was my best friend in New York for like a good solid five years there, my first five years in New York. And um, we did everything together. We talked all the time. So anyway, that same friend, apparently he saw my post on Facebook. I wasn't even aware that we were still connected on Facebook because I think at some point he left Facebook and I guess he came back on and left and came back on. So, But we're still connected. And uh, he reached out to me and he sent me a message. And... um, Apparently, I did ask him, well, long, let me skip forward. So we, we exchanged a couple of messages and uh, we were like, yeah, let's get on a phone call and catch up. So on Sunday, a couple of days ago, a few days ago, uh, we had a, a nearly two hour phone call and it was good. We caught up and uh, I did mention, I did ask him if he listened to the episode, uh, the most recent episode. And uh, I think he said, no, he didn't. He didn't hear it yet. So I guess he reached out to me only because of the Facebook post that he saw me talking about my mom, the cancer situation. So yeah, we had a really interesting chat and we did talk about our history and, uh, you know, we, we just had a lot of basic things to catch up on the first hour and the call, you know, what we're doing, where we're living, all that kind of stuff, family situations. But eventually kind of got right down to it with him and was basically like, Hey man, you know, we used to be so close and you know, and then we were nothing. And, uh, I told him, I told him what that process was like for me, like going through that and also how I came out of that. And also a little bit sort of transitioning into here I am in my forties. And, uh, a lot of that that we got into was we ended up talking about religion and Christianity, and he's still a Christian very much so, although he has a lot of doubts, I guess as he always did, about God. and But he still chooses to believe, and that's fine. And I have chosen not to believe, but uh, I'm not even fully going to go down that path because that, that's a whole other topic. But I guess by mentioning all that, one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about now is, I don't know, there's just all these moving parts right now. There's this old best friend coming back in 
to the picture and my mom's health situation and there's me trying to catch up on things in Philly and uh, <laughs> Trump getting COVID, the first debates, the VP debates are tonight, elections around the corner. There's all the things I still want to get done in the next two and a half months before 2020. There's me trying to get back in the rhythm of this podcast and recording again. There's me feeling frustrated because, yes, I lost a week, but for some reason I just feel like it took my body to the next level of like fat guttedness because I looked in the mirror yesterday, last night, and I was just like, Jesus, man. Did you put on a little weight this week? I, I feel like I'm turning into one of my uncles with a pot belly, you know. And granted, I did have to have a couple drinks of alcohol this past week. And I've probably been eating more sugar than I normally do. But I, I didn't think I was doing anything that atrocious. But I don't know. Like, it's a little bit disheartening. I'll be honest with you. I was pretty out of it last night when I looked in the mirror because I'm like, this, look, we've already had to accept so many new normals. I started accepting a new normal back in 2016 when I had my hearing loss, and that forever changed my life and having to live with permanent tinnitus all this time. But now this whole new year, uh, this whole year 2020 has been this whole debate about the new normal and how much of it is for real. How much of it should we accept? I mean, I know there's like it seems like half of us out there in the world are just really eager to get back to life as normal. And then there's another half of people out there who are saying like, no, this is the new normal. You know, this is it. Everybody's going to stay distance for however long and wear masks forever. And that's the new normal, you know, but this new normal of me having a fat gut, you know, I, I've noticed uh, the sliding scale in the last few years as I approached 40 and I, I'm into my early 40s and how, you know, your metabolism slows down and you start to notice the fat gets on your body and then it just doesn't go away. So, you know, I used to sort of take winters off from working out that hardcore and it wouldn't really matter because, you know, come March, April, I'd get back in the gym and then I'd be good to go, like for the summer and, you know, when you're out wearing shorts and T-shirts and whatever. But now, I guess about five years ago, I realized like, oh, wow, if you sit out for a winter, that fat just accumulates on your belly. And then it's like, it's there and it's not going to just burn off in like, you know, a couple of weeks of cardio. So yeah, all that being said, there's the health fitness thing. And I know I'm, I'm <laughs> I feel like I have to apologize again, because I know some of you will be frustrated with this episode, but again, the level of franticness and how I am completely shifting subjects constantly in this podcast is kind of the point. It's kind of the point that, you know, emotionally I'm up and down, my focus, sometimes I'm super hyper-focused on working on my logos, for example, lately, but it's almost like I'm pouring myself too much into that and my perfectionism is taking over and I really should probably just pick a logo and accept that and move forward and balance out like all the other things in life, but I don't know, I'm just kind of in and out of super hyper focus versus not being able to focus and my mind's all over the place. And, and then here's, here's another little, a random wrench in the, in the equation. Not that this is anything greatly significant, but I did meet this girl through a dating app uh, a few weeks ago and we hung out once, which is the first time I've hung out with somebody from a dating app in a year and a half. And I'm not even going to call it a date. And she actually asked me, is this a date? And I was like, eh, let's not put any labels on it. And uh, especially since she had also said something similarly about how she doesn't like labels. And so I was like, yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's not call this anything. Let's not put a label on it. But we enjoyed talking and getting to know each other a little bit. So we're still in touch and we've been texting here and there. But this is another point that I want to touch on here is at one point she asked me, so I was telling her about my name change and how I grew up Indian in the military as a preacher's kid and all that stuff. You know, my life story, y'all have heard it by now. It's funny because she, she predictably went the way I thought she would respond, which is common to a lot of people, I think a little bit more on the left than on the right who tend to react this way, but she was 
at first she thought I was, I had deep psychological issues because I'm like, why do I hate myself? Why do I hate being Indian? Why do I hate India? Why do I? And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not that. I don't hate Indians. I don't hate India. I don't hate myself and blah, blah. blah. So I had to explain and uh, articulate. I don't hate my family. That's not why I changed my last name. It's like, so I have to go through all of these rounds of explaining myself. But, you know, after, even after all that, at one point she did ask me, and this is the point I want to talk about here right now. She asked me like, so have you, have you ever seen a therapist? Ever, ever seen like a psychologist or whatever? And I told her, I was like, yeah, I saw two in New York. I saw this old guy a long time ago who was just so old and out of touch. Like it was pretty useless. But then I saw this other lady a few years later, which was a little better. But it's crazy because we're 40 minutes in right now. And I'm getting to this point, which could literally just be the entire podcast episode to talk about this one particular point. But so I'm just going to touch on it now. And maybe after I've kind of rambled off all of these bazillion things right now for the too much episode, which is kind of the point. Yeah. So this idea of therapy. Okay. So while I was home, my mom and I finished catching up on this is us for those of you who love the show or for those of you who don't uh, basically, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but there is a character who goes to see a therapist and it gets pretty hardcore really quickly. So it's kind of like within a first couple sessions, it gets really hot, like really deep, really fast. And uh, But it, it kind of seems to be effective uh, in terms of the character realizing what he needed to realize, right? In order to make proper changes in his psyche, his mindset, and um, that he can move forward as a father, as a, you know, husband and, and all that. And, uh, I don't know, like it, when this girl asked me about if I seen a therapist, I think what she was getting at was that I had a traumatic childhood, mostly by growing up as the only Indian kid in the military and just all of that. And I guess she got the impression that I haven't resolved these issues. And, I don't know. Maybe she has a point. Or maybe not. Maybe I have resolved those issues. But what does it really mean to resolve the issue, right? And I think that's where I'm in this headspace right now of you go see a therapist, you work through your issues, you want to come out on the other side like, okay, I understand my past. I understand the forces that have influenced me to be the person that I am and you come to terms with those things because you can't really control them because they've already happened. What you can control is basically now that you understand everything that has happened in your childhood and your upbringing and, and on into adulthood, you can process more accurately than perhaps you were doing before what has happened and how those things have affected you. And then knowing all that, you can move forward in a more quote-unquote healthy manner, right? This is my understanding of what therapy really is, right? And I had this other thought earlier today where I was like, you know, I think I've. this is what I spent my 30s doing, is a big part of it was coming out of religion and then sort of sort of deprogramming and reprogramming, which can really take a while, especially with regard to religion. It did take a good deal of time, and I did work my way through it. And back to this conversation I had with my former BFF, the phone call from Sunday, as we were talking about then and now, because we haven't really talked in like whatever it is, 10 years, 12 years, and... uh talking about then, talking about now, talking about religion and Christianity and how it let me down back then and how I came out of that. And I talked with him about all the bitterness and resentment I had at that time toward Christians, toward Koreans and white people and the church and God and all of that stuff. And now I don't have that bitterness anymore. I don't have that resentment anymore. And even talking with this former best friend, like, 
I don't want to say it's a weird thing for me to say, like I've been angry at him for, for so long for the way things went down. I'm sure the first couple of years, there was some trace of anger running through my veins. Right. But I think more so what it was, was sadness and loss. It was really like a death, you know, it was, it was a loss. So I think the same way that individual human beings deal with loss of a loved one, the grieving process, right? Mourning and all that, you know, all those stages that people go through and uh, bargaining and anger and depression and uh, sadness and, you know, whatever those phases are that that people go through when they grieve the loss of a loved one. I feel like I went through all that with losing him and I needed to do that. And here's how, yeah, I haven't really talked with a therapist about this for any extended period of time, but here's how I think I actually have worked through that in a healthy way. I was able to talk with him a couple of days ago, very openly about what happened, almost to the point where I was like, look, man, I get it. Like you got married and went to med school and had kids and you moved away and that happened. And, you know, going back to my stoicism that I've talked about in prior episodes, kind of having this mindset of it is what it is. You know, I don't think he ever went out of his way to hurt me or intentionally leave me behind or, And he actually said some nice things in this call the other day that it was good for me to hear because he said like, you know, he doesn't really get involved on Facebook that much or social media, but he does check in with me apparently periodically, even though he's never liked a post or commented or anything for like 10 years. He told me that he has been keeping an eye on stuff that I post and kind of what I'm up to. And he said he does so because I'm one of the only people left in his life that he cares about like as a friend because basically his life has been all consumed with his marriage and the kids and uh, i was shocked to hear him tell me they just had their fourth kid i was like wow dude and it's really weird in my head because i'm like you know back then i would have loved to have talked with him more and spent every minute i could with him because we had such a great time and connecting on so many levels we had pretty much to me it was like the perfect friendship you know for that five years I love this guy and all that. So coming out of that, I, I didn't want to let go of that. I wanted more and more of that. But now even me just hearing that he has the fourth kid, I'm like, wow, dude, uh, I'm surprised we even had a two hour block to talk on the phone here, you know, cause I'm like, obviously he's got his hands full. So I guess that's, that's the thing now. Like for me, the fact that I don't have resentment toward him, but that I've accepted what has happened and that these things do happen in life people move on for a number of reasons, whether it's marriage, kids, or just geographically just separating yourself across the planet or wherever, like all of these things happen. And I think the mature response is to understand what has happened, to not necessarily take everything personally and to not be angry, but have more of a mindset of acceptance of it is what it is. And it's okay. I can move on with my life. Right? So, that's what I've ended up doing for the last 10 years is I've moved on, you know, I've moved on from certain people. I have moved on from the church. And then in 2016, I moved on from New York city when I left at the same time I've moved forward. It's not like I completely forgot about my past. You know, I'm not burying it in some hole and like, I don't ever want to think about it because it causes me too much pain or anything like that. Because I think if you did that, I think you're not really dealing with your dark demons or, you know, no, I've given it ample thought in the last 10 years. And to me, it felt like confirmation to be able to have a conversation with him and for it to go well, for us to speak honestly, like we're not pretending or holding back like we're saying the things on our minds on our hearts and for us to hear each other and to acknowledge what was and also to catch up and realize what things are today 
He's in Alabama, married as a doctor with four kids. He's got his hands full down there. I am up here in Philly. I've got my hands full, <laughs> not with kids, obviously, and a wife, but like back to my earlier point, if I take on too much, like I've got so many projects cooking right now, but I always do. And to bring back to that point, like I'm trying to figure out a better balance where I can actually maybe pour more of myself into fewer projects because it's kind of exhausting me and wearing me out trying to maintain so many different projects and ideas at the same time. And I, it's not that I feel overworked. I think it's just a lot of these little side projects. I have like this massive plate of just side projects really. But if none of them are really coming to full fruition and monetizing and all that stuff, then it feels like you're pouring yourself into something and it's not paying dividends. But really, when you're really honestly about it, like you're not really pouring yourself into it because you're really only giving 10 or 15% of your time and energy to that project. So it's like how unbelievably awesome of a creator do I think I am that I can compete with people out there who are really talented, giving 110% of themselves for one project where I'm only giving 15% of myself to compete against them. You know what I'm saying? So when I realize it like that, I'm like, huh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of that continual lesson I need to learn of like figuring out a better balance for my life. So anyway, that was my little sidebar there, but back to this former BFF of mine, and uh, our conversation is, uh, and where we're at today, is the call ended well, and um, we're like, yeah, you know, let's uh, let's keep in touch, man. And uh, it would be good to kind of, you know, and now I'm kind of texting him, you know, here and there with some articles, with some links, and we can talk about it back and forth. But it doesn't have to be a big deal, you know. It could just be like a casual thing he kind of mentioned how he doesn't really have any close guy friends in his life anymore. And not that I can really be that for him anymore for obvious geographical reasons, but I could be something for him in some capacity. And I think that would be good for him. I think he and I, we both agree that, you know, he could use that in his life. I think it would also take some of the burden off of his wife to be his all in all his everything. And that's one of the problems with marriage. And I think Christian marriages in particular is they really push this notion that, you know, forsaking all others, right? It, it's just man and woman in matrimony and kind of like fuck everybody else, fuck off. So obviously they would never put it that way, but that's kind of the way it plays out in a lot of these relationships. So but it kind of does everybody a lot of harm if you really think about it because the friends who are left behind, it sucks for them. And I think for the husband or the wife in the marriage, for them to have to say goodbye to their friends and it puts too much pressure on their spouse to, to pick up the slack to fill that void of who was left behind. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think it's, it's good for a married couple to still maintain relationships, friendships with their good friends that they've had. But anyway, my point there is I feel good about things between him and me now. And I don't even want to say like, okay, yeah, I got closure now by having that call. That's not even it. I feel like I got closure a while ago without even having a conversation with him. And I don't know, maybe people would disagree with that. Me saying that is like, maybe people would say, well, you know, that's not how closure works. Closure works when you actually are engaging with the person who's who you had issues with or drama or whatever. And only through that working directly with the other person and voicing those things to them, like only then can you get closure. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't think so though. You know, obviously this is a pretty heavy subject and um, it's not the kind of thing people will write in and want to share their deepest whatever. But if you feel comfortable, if you're listening right now and you want to share a little bit of a story of, you know, a, a breakup or kind of one-itis, somebody you were hung up on for a long time, or somebody who wronged you in someone in the past, or anything. Like, If you want to share that story, email me at podcast at introversion.com and just mention in the email if you're okay with me sharing that story publicly, and maybe I'll, I'll read a little bit of it in the, in the upcoming episode. Um, but 
as we're approaching an hour here, I want to start to wrap this up, but I do kind of want to conclude this thought of the whole therapy thing and moving on and being healthy. And this is, this is really weird. It's really relevant for the quote unquote introversion podcast, right? Because I almost feel like the issues that I've experienced in life, the things that you would go to a therapist to go talk about and see, right? I feel like I've resolved all those things in terms of, well, I don't want to say it's like perfectly resolved because I think it's a lifelong process. I think we're all on a journey of figuring things out for ourselves. But I feel like pretty well along on that path of like, I'm doing all right as an individual, you know, within my own head, like just being focused and, and productive and happy and, you know, living my life the way I want to live my life. Like, I think all of that is great. And, you know, I didn't need to see a therapist for that i kind of just figured all the shit out on my own through a very i mean it took a while to get there maybe seeing a therapist would have sped up the process i don't know but the point is eventually i got here and again it's not like i've arrived completely but it's a process but i feel like even with the the notion of like juggling too much right having too much on my plate i've gotten better about it i'm getting better about it and I still have a ways to go, but at least I know kind of what I got to do and in that general direction I need to head. I need to not be coming up with a brand new idea that's way out in left field and then going and pursuing that for three weeks and then realizing like, oh, shit, I guess I shouldn't have done that because now I'm three weeks behind on all my other things that I was juggling. I've gotten better in that regard. But what I wanted to say here is like I almost feel like the quote-unquote therapy, I've done well in terms of living... God, how do I phrase this? I feel like I'm butchering this right now. What I'm trying to say is I've learned without official therapy to deal better with myself, okay? Now, in terms of dealing with other people, here's where it gets interesting because I don't know how much better I've gotten in that regard, if that makes sense. Like the dating thing, it's weird though, because this isn't even like a psychological whatever. This is like me learning MGTOW last year and all these principles and realizing like the dynamics between men and women. And it's like seeing the code in the matrix. So it's almost like a scientific problem or reality that you learn and you see and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. But that doesn't really have, it's not something you would go to the therapist and talk about like, well, this is what my dating life is like, or this is what she's like in the relationship, and I keep doing this, and she keeps doing that, and how do we kind of work through that? It's it's not that kind of therapy at all. It's kind of more like the idea of, do I even want to be in a long-term relationship? Do I even want to get married and have kids and all that? But that, in a sense, is what I'm talking about. That That's more about me within my own mind and making decisions for my life and what I really want out of life. That really doesn't have anything to do with girl X or Y or Z out there. This is making sense. I don't know, but I might flesh this out a little more in a future episode. Um, I'd of course be welcome to hear comments or questions or, you know, if you're seeking clarification on what the hell I'm talking about, but yeah, I just feel like, I don't know if it's just part of aging, part of being single for so long. If, or if you reach a certain age where if you haven't gotten married yet, you're just set in your ways and you're just going to do your own thing and you're totally cool with that. I don't know. Maybe this is a pretty normal phenomenon, you know, but maybe I just think about it more than the average person or here I am doing a podcast about it. But, but I just feel like, yeah, my life really is not about other people anymore. And I don't say that in an asshole kind of way. I say that in an Ayn Rand kind of way. And which is kind of ironic because some people probably think Ayn Rand is a big asshole. But there's another little side topic nugget is that when I was home, I started reading uh, this new Ayn Rand, well, not new, but I just bought it. It's an old book, The Virtue of Selfishness by Ayn Rand. I bought it, started reading it with my mom. And there's a lot of things that Ayn Rand says in there that were really good for my mom to hear and for me to hear. And we got into some really interesting conversations about it. But that's a big part of what I'm talking about here is to be selfish. I, I'm not even going to get all into it because 
I'm actually going to pull some quotes from the book and probably do a couple episodes specifically on the book because it's really good. And Ayn Rand is, you know, right up there. I mean, probably either Orwell or Ayn Rand are my favorite authors of all time. But the point I just want to make it really quick is without getting into that book and all that is I've gotten better, especially in this past year on focusing on myself and what I need and what I want. And that is healthy. And that is something that I think I have not been able to do in the past because of religion, because of that influence of Christianity, that self-doubt, you know, like I was such a doubting person before. I mean, I would have doubts that God even existed, and yet I identified as a Christian who's supposed to believe without a doubt that God is God and that Jesus died for my sins and my my eternal life, my salvation is secure and all that stuff. Like, there's not a whole lot of room for doubt there. In fact, the the one character in the Bible, Thomas, doubting Thomas or whatever, like he's looked down upon because he doubted. He didn't believe that Jesus died and rose again until he got to see him again and stuck his hand in the wound and be like, oh, okay, all right, now I believe. And they, they look down on him. They, they want you to believe without seeing and kind of like fucked out, you know, you should just believe blindly kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not cool with that. So, but back to my point there is I feel more secure I mean, I would love to feel even more and more and more secure in sort of my position in life and where I'm headed. I mean, that's kind of really what it's all about, right? No matter who you are in life today, right now, don't you want to feel good about yourself, how you're feeling right now, what you're working on, the people surrounding you, thinking about your identity and who you are, uh, all of these things and more. Don't you want to feel good about that and proud of sort of how you've gotten to where you're at today and feel content with that? Like, yes, sure, there's things I'm pining after, I'm longing for such and such, but you feel like it's cool because you're like, well, I'm working toward that. Those are my goals. Those are my aspirations, right? I think that's, I'm guessing that's where you, listening right now, that's where you want to be. That's where I want to be. And I actually feel decently about that. But I at least feel like I'm on a path toward that. Whereas when I was turning 30 in Christianity and all that, like I did not feel like I was on the right path because it was like walking into a dark forest and you're like, really, this is the right path? And everybody's just telling you, yes, you're on the right path. Just keep going. Just keep believing. Just keep walking further and deeper into the dark forest. And uh, yeah, don't worry. God's at the end of it. Uh, yeah, he's looking out for you. It'll all work out. God's timing, not yours. You know, God's will, not yours. Yeah, keep going. Have faith. It's God's, you know. I'm like, uh, uh. Eventually, my level of unease took over, and I veered off that path and onto a more stable path that I could see and feel and kind of carve out as my own path. I think that's the thing is like, it's kind of a biblical metaphor that for those of you who aren't aware, but it's like talked about like the, uh, the narrow path versus the broad path. And it's kind of like the broad path leads to damnation, you know, and many are they who go on the broad path that leads to destruction, but only the few, the chosen go on the crooked offbeat, uh, small, narrow path, right? the one that leads to God and Jesus and salvation and all that stuff. So I hadn't really thought about it until now this way, but I'm like, wow, I left that narrow path toward God and salvation and Jesus and all that stuff. But I, I feel like it's almost like I started entering the broader path, but knowing everything about me and my identity and my life story and then knowing how everybody else is kind of doing the normal thing out there, I'm like, nah, this broad path is not for me either. So it's almost kind of like I, I, I left that narrow path to, to Christ and heaven and all that stuff. I kind of parlayed over to the broad path. And I'm like, no, nah, this isn't for me either. And I kept going, kept veering. Not on, I didn't get on the broad path and go there, but I found a different narrow path. 
And that different narrow path is what I'm on now, but it feels so much better because this is my path, you know? This is the path that I'm carving out, and I feel like a lot of people are not on this path with me, which is why I guess it can get quote-unquote lonely, but there's something about it that feels right because it's like, well, but this is my path. Why would there be so many other people on my path? You know, this is just this narrow little path going off to the side. That broad path makes sense for most Americans and for most, you know, regular normal people out there, which I am not. So, yeah, it's kind of fun for me to just say these things right now because I hadn't really ever thought about it. So I'm literally realizing this and kind of visualizing this right now as we're talking here. So, yeah, I left one narrow path, skipped over the broad path and found another narrow path, but it's my narrow path. So it works for me and I'm much happier on this path and we'll see where it leads, you know, but yeah, that's a process. It's a journey, right? It's a journey. So, wow, there is like another five or six things. Um, the Titanic metaphor, (laughs) uh, I wanted to ask the question of, is life getting easier or harder with age plus what's happening in society? I wanted to talk a little bit about organization and productivity apps because I've kind of been in that mode the last couple of days with me falling behind and everything. I've kind of been drawn towards some YouTubers talking about uh, life organization, note-taking apps, you know, productivity boosts, things like that. So you know, that's one thing I wanted to mention about here. Input, output, meaning all the media and everything that we take in versus what we're actually putting out in the world in terms of our creativity, in terms of our what we're building, what we're making. And I understand a lot of you out there are not content creators, but for those of us who are, finding that right balance between input and output, which coincidentally is also my next tattoo idea. And I wanted to talk about Christina, uh, Christina Weber, who I had on the podcast a few weeks ago. I wanted to talk about her We Deepen uh, company and what they're up to there and um, how there's some really interesting topics there and, and the format. And uh, But it's, it's weird because I just feel like I just don't even have time for that right now, which is weird, right? It's like if there's good, cool things in your life, you should make time for those things, right? And yet I'm not. But, yeah, I don't know. So I kind of wanted to explore that. Uh, I wanted to talk about this idea of obsessing over any one thing. And there's a couple other things I jotted down. I, it really is too much. I mean, that is really what this episode is all about. This is too much to talk about for one episode, which is why I'm calling it quits right now. So, um, But I do like a lot of these topics I just mentioned here. Uh, really quickly. So perhaps in a future episode, I will focus in on just one at a time of each or many of these uh, bullet points here. But yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Sorry if you have a headache because I was bouncing around so much on so many tangents. Uh, this, This episode could literally be called the perpetual tangent since I was constantly bouncing around. Um, I still can't believe looking back that I spent the first 20 minutes talking about Trump and Trump derangement syndrome because that was really not my intention at all. But it's still true. And I felt like those things were worth saying. So I'm leaving it in. But yeah, uh, it's good to be back here podcasting again. I've missed doing this. Uh, I hope you've missed listening at least a little bit. Uh, There will be more on the way as I, again, start to get back in the rhythm. The subject for tonight's lecture is rhythm. Uh, There's so many little projects and things I'm juggling, but uh, the podcast is one of those things that I'm juggling. And I do love doing this, and I want to keep at it. And as I've mentioned, there's tons of things to talk about, so they will be coming. So that being said, yeah, it's Wednesday afternoon right now. I'm not sure if I'll get this episode out today. Chances are I'll probably post it tomorrow. So I'm going to watch the VP debate tonight and... uh, We'll see what happens there, if there's uh, specific things worth talking about that arise from that. 
if there's some stuff on my heart I really want to get into about that, then uh, maybe I'll record an episode tomorrow and post it uh, this weekend or something. So, yeah, we'll see. But uh, stay tuned. There is more coming. There's just so much to talk about, and uh, it's healthy for me. It's cathartic to just get these things out of my head and just, but yeah. All right. Have a good one, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by... Mmm, corn! Haven't had that in a while. Yeah, delicious corn. Bye! Hey, you. Yes, you. I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening on. That way you can obviously get notified as soon as new episodes arrive. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating and consider writing a brief review. It just takes a second, and it really helps in order to get this podcast ranking higher so that more people can discover it. And the better this podcast is doing, the more prominent guests we can get on the show, and also the more time I can devote to it, which means more episodes and better episodes. And speaking of better episodes, what would you like to see more of on the show? Are there specific topics you'd love to see covered? Do you have thoughts of your own on the subjects discussed today? I'd love to hear from you. Just shoot an email to podcast at introversion.com. Or you can reach out to me on social media. I'm Jay Caslow on pretty much every platform, Twitter, Instagram, and the rest. And last but not least, if you've been enjoying listening to the podcast and also checking out the daily blog at introversion.com, I invite you to visit patreon.com slash introversion, where you can become an official introversion patron for as little as $3 a month. That's literally 10 cents a day. Anyway, just consider it. Otherwise, just click like, share this podcast with friends and family who you think would enjoy it. It's 2020, so be safe out there. And yet, go live your life. I know that's kind of a paradox, but we'll figure this out one way or another. Anyway, have a good one. Until next time.